get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the 10th day of April 2014, and we're going to be live here for the next hour. And joining me on the line is Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution. Say hi, Josh. Oh, I think I lost your audio. That's oh, it. my goodness. Sorry. I, I'm, I, I muted myself for your beautiful intro. How are you doing, Jake? Thanks so much for having me. All right. So the show's off to a galloping start right now. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm doing well, but um, man, did I have a fun day today, Josh. You're going to love this. So every every angle that I got hit by today with the the stick of the state was phenomenal. So I started out my morning, and for those of you that know me, I am, I'm a poker player, and I like to go to play in tournaments. They run satellite tournaments for the World Series of Poker, so they were running a satellite over in North Carolina, and I thought that I was going to just venture out. There was a poker tournament started at 9 a.m. I was like, cool, that's two hours from here. I'll venture out, go play some poker, come back, you know, hang out, have time for the show, and life will be peaches. So it's about two and a half hours to the casino. I leave at 6 o'clock in the morning. Tournament starts at 9. I get there at 9.05. So I had to get gas and some other things. So I pull in. I'm like, sweet. Got my backpack. Go down. Go past the first guy. Checks my ID. Everything's good. Get up there and want to register for the tournament. And they said, well, do you have a player's card? And I'm like, well, no, I don't. So I said, well, you have to have one. So I was, they're like, you have to go back downstairs and register. I'm like, holy crap. And the one guy's like, no, 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 I can do it here. It's fine. So I was like, oh, this guy's rock and roll. So heck yeah. So I decide to, um, we start filling out the paperwork and stuff, and I'm just kind of chatting with everybody, letting them know that, hey, I just drove up here from Atlanta like two and a half hours. And they're like, oh, cool. And the guy goes, um, I can't register you. I was like, you can't register me? I'm like, so I got to go downstairs? He goes, no, your license is expired. I can't register you. I was like, um, really? And so I get my license. Sure enough, my license expired on my birthday a little over a month ago. I'm like, awesome. Now I'm like, so there's anything you can do with me? He's like, no. Do you have anything with like any other federal ID with your, you know, your picture on it, like a gun permit or a fishing permit? And it still sounds funny to say that a gun permit and a fishing permit. I have to have a permit to to do things and exercise my rights in in the free country that we live in. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. And they're like, well, sorry guys, you, you got to go. You can't play. I was like, okay, great. So I get in the car, drive back home, two hours, two and a half hours. This is so fun. It gets even better. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna man up and I'm just gonna go ahead and take care of this today. I get in, grab all the necessary paperwork, the necessary 15 fucking documents that I have to have. Excuse my language, everybody, but this is going to be like an off-the-cuff show. This will be very fun. Um, so I grab like the, the 15 documents that you need, go over to the DMV. It's like a couple minutes from my house, like five minutes away. Stand in line, get my magic magic ticket called. Yay, I won the golden ticket. Go up to the lady at the teller that with no personality and hardly ever looks at me, doesn't say anything. So she starts filling out my stuff and goes, oh, I can't issue you a driver's license. And I said, really? I got all the documentation here. What's the problem? She goes, there's a conflict in the state of South Carolina. So I was like, okay. So what does that have to do with me getting a license in Georgia? She goes, well, we're all connected now. And I'm like, oh, and that just peaches. So I go back to, um, she's like, well, you got to call them. So I come back to the house, call them up, find out what the dealio is. It's a ticket for running a red light that I don't even remember doing in, in Florida on my way back to Georgia when I moved. And so it's a ticket in Florida that I have to pay for. So I'm like, okay, great. So I just paid the ticket, and they, um, they send you the, uh, the receipt, and everything's good, right? She goes, yeah, and then you have to pay us a $100 reactivation fee to reactivate your license. I go, do what? She's like, yeah, you have to pay us $100. I go, you have to pay, I have to pay you $100 so you can click a box and then hit submit? And I said, lady, I know technology. It can't be that difficult to say, oh, your license is invalid? It is now valid. So that was my entire day. 
And so I spent my days in the car. So I drove two and a half hours to have the state punch me in the nuts. And then I drove two and a half hours back to have the state punch me in the nuts again. And now I have to pay my ticket plus the $100, you know, magic button click that they have to pr- produce. And so, yeah, I have um, had a, an amazing day with the state today. It was oh, so much fun. Dude, and, I, I, I hate to sound so brazen, but the day that something, an ordeal like that happens to me where I'm getting popped for a ticket in Florida issued by the state of South Carolina so my Georgian driver's license cannot be reactivated, that's literally the day that I drive 17 hours to go register my place in Wisconsin where you don't need to provide any form of identification for a license plate and I start driving without a license. Uh, and that's what that, that's the entire bitch of it. It's like, why do I need a license to travel? The Constitution gives me the, the right to travel freely in between states without any whatever. And so you just see where we are. This is where we're at. We're in bureaucracy hell, everybody. There's so much damn red tape. And I was sitting there just thinking to myself going, how in the hell do I have to pay $100 for somebody to click a freaking button? And that's where the state is, and that's what they do. And and Stephanie was like, I can't believe they charge you $100. I'm like, I can. All they do is extort money from you, no matter where it is. It's like, oh, oh, you need some of that? And so just imagine, if you will, Josh, imagine. Even if you want to keep the driver's license program, that's fine. Leave the government out of it. Let private agencies do it. And, gee, I wonder how much that would cost. Probably or, not that much. Or or just make your driver's license your your insurance and don't mandate insurance because if you can get insured, then it means that someone's willing to uh, to to literally pay for you to be on the road. Exactly. Or I mean, this is just silly. And I told Stephanie, I'm like, all it is is just people taking responsibility for your actions. So it's like, well, what happens if the 15 year old gets behind the car? Well, if the 15 year old gets behind the car and the parents know about it and he gets in an accident. He's liable. I mean, it's not that difficult. It, it, I mean, it's really, really not. But we just have this idea that we need the state. And thank God I listened to five and a half hours of Peace Revolution before I came on and got a really good perspective of how all this stuff has happened and how all the red tape has happened and all of this stuff. This is nothing new. This is this is the oldest play, trick in the book. And what's so frustrating is that it's like it was the perfect thing that I've ever heard Richard Grove say where he said, why do they need to change the play when every play they run is a touchdown? <laughs> That's a good one. It's like it's so simple. Like, oh, well, we're just going to we're going to do this and we're going to create this kind of society here. And then we're going to create a panopticon where we can surveil you and, and track you and trace you and, and everything's fine. And, and people are cool with that. People are fine with that. People are fine with the status quo. And I'm, I just about, I, um, I didn't, I didn't snap, but I just saw the silliness as to quote Joe Rogan, the silliness of the state, just how silly all of this is. Like, how is this all that silly? Like I have to have a license to fish. It's like, well, you could go fishing a lot. It's like, yeah, but I could go fishing once. Like, why do I need a license to... I mean, quite frankly, it's immaterial how much you fish, right? Correct. I mean, if I'm doing it just to save my life, I mean, there was a big lawsuit up in, um, oh my gosh, where was that? Was it in Michigan where the guy got um, was going to fish? No, it wasn't in Michigan. It was somewhere in the Midwest where he was just going to fish because he wanted sustenance, which he is completely allowed to do. And they threw him, they threw him in the slammer because he doesn't have a fishing license. Come on out. And then he has his jury trial. I can't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, oh yeah, it was from the. It was like from like South Carolina or something. Oh, there was the, the homeless fellow. Correct. But he wasn't. He wasn't actually. The charge was not for um, uh, the fishing license. The charge was actually because he was caught living in a storage unit. But uh, hey, I mean, I, quite frankly, like I think he should be able to do that too if the storage unit company obviously allows him to. I would agree. I don't give a damn where you live, man. Oh, which brings us to yurts. Why not? I mean, that's what you were talking about. That's very- I've been telling you about yurts for ages, man. And my wife and I were talking about that today. It was just very, it was very interesting. I don't know if she cares that I talk about this stuff, but I think it's very fascinating that that in America I have to have this conversation. It's like, well, how can we avoid this? She's like, well, where can we go? I'm like, well, number one, we can't go anywhere because America is the, ironically, one of the freer countries in the entire world. Now, yes, we have the backup battle plan, but we're not going to expose that on air because that just really that doesn't really bode well for anybody. But um, 
But I was like, well, we could move on to somebody's property and just throw a yurt out there. But then the the regulators are going to come by and the freaking the state. Yes, they will. The state will come by and tell you that that is a, an obstruction and you, you'll have to pay for it. I guarantee you code enforcement will come by. I don't care what link you send me, dude. I'm telling you. The state is there to harass. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, I, I hear you. You're absolutely right. And the state, you know, can change building codes and for 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 temporary membrane-based structures. But as someone who's uh, researched this uh, to a great extent, right? You've got your international building codes, your national building codes, your state building codes, and your local building codes in most cases, right? And the hierarchy, unlike federal government, actually works the way it should, simply because. There's no enforcement mechanism for international building codes, and there's virtually no enforcement for, for national building codes. So your state building code, which for the most part is based off of the international building code, is essentially the, the letter of the law. And that varies from state to state. Um, but, you know, on a county basis, a lot of places usurp this. Mm-hmm. And there, you have to do your research because I, I don't know, Jake, if you've heard of the tiny house movement. I have heard of it, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, these people are encountering the same issues because the tiny house movement sprung up because people were building all of these small houses that were under uh, the, the, what is it, 1,000 square foot minimum in most places. Sure, we'll just um, up an arbitrary number, but whatever, whatever, they de- whatever the gods deem it to be, yeah. I'm, I mean, it varies from state to state, but 1,200 is about the average. But anyway, so people started putting wheels on their houses to essentially shirk building codes, and then new building codes were erected on top of that. But some places in the country not only accommodate smaller housing now, mm-hmm. but other, other places, especially more rural communities, literally have provisions for this in the building code because they know that there are people who literally live in sheds with wood stoves in them okay. in America. So if you can find a place like that, and they, they do exist, trust me, mm-hmm. there, there are multiple counties in any state in America that have these provisions. Yeah, he's going to come and shut you down for having a wood-burning stove. So it's just like you've got the bureaucratic red tape just absolutely everywhere. There's... Oh, it's a joke. It's, it's virtually impossible to live free in this country. Oh, not a, not a chance. I mean... No, because even, even in that situation, you know, if you were to build a, a tiny structure, quote-unquote, legally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a lot of places it's legal to erect it and it's legal to live in it for a period of time, but not indefinitely. So you can't list it as your primary residence. So even if you were to build it by the letter of the law and live in it full time, you'd still be breaking the law. Just so silly. I mean, the the silliness. All right. First of all, let's go back to my situation from earlier. I was thinking about this. Think about how many different ways that this is just so silly. All right. Number one, the state gets to control whether I can spend my money on a card game or not. Now, how silly is that? All right, number one, that's silly. Oh, you cannot gamble unless you're within these imaginary borders that we've already – wait, we stole this land from these people, so now we have to give them something. So we'll give them these imaginary borders, and you can go in here and place your money on a table. But if you go outside of that imaginary border and you place some money on a table, we're going to arrest you with guns. And so so that was the first thing that was silly. The second thing is that I have to show identification to be able to do this. It's like – why do I need to show you federal identification? If I can show you an ID card or prove, prove to you my age meets your requirements, why do I need to do this? And I know why you need to do it, for tax purposes, so the IRS can get their money from you. Uh, it's, just, it's all so silly. It's just so, it, it's so silly, and I just saw the, the, the state in action today, and it just made me, it made me want to push even harder. Maybe it's the blood moon from, what was it, yesterday, the day before? I don't know. We call it the celestial alignment again, whatever you want to call it. Maybe like the Illuminati did some kind of like voodoo rain dance on Jake yesterday, and and I'm just and I was just toast today. There was nothing I could do. But the ironic thing is, I took the day off of work to go and do all these things, and so instead of getting to go do something I wanted to do with my time off of work, I get slapped around by the state, and that's why I was very very upset. So uh, speaking of getting slapped around by the state, what about this thing in Nevada, man? I mean that really does speak to what we were just talking about where I said, no, the state's going to come and enforce it anyway, which they don't have any right to do what they're doing. And yet here's the state. We got our armed paramilitary guys with dogs Boo-roo, coming to get you. I mean what, what country am I in, dude? What Really what country am I in where, where the ranchers can't even roam free, home on the range that's no longer – Home well, the, yeah, the interesting thing about the this Nevada case is that, you know, these sort of free speech zones have been around 
for at least since September the 11th, right? Typically yeah, around started. They started when they had the um, when they had the G8 out in uh, Seattle, where they arrested all those people. Oh yeah, after, but I mean, after they after the cops dressed up like protesters and threw bottles and stuff. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. Great. I mean, they 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 did the same thing uh, at um, uh, up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Or uh, was it the G20? Yeah, yeah, G20 in Toronto, correct. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. Well, they did. I guess they didn't have a free speech zone, but they did have like a, a staging center for these mass arrests. But it's just this Nevada case is just interesting because typically free free speech zones are seen around military installations or pre-designated for protests and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. This is the first time, at least to my knowledge, mm-hmm. that the feds have come in uh, and on on private land. Essentially, or at least state what no, no, no. state land now because they've supposedly eminent domained it. But but this is the first time, at least in a private case, mm-hmm. where they've set up a free speech zone just for uh, you know the sake of one family, not not you know a, a, a mass or swath of protesters. It's I mean it really is it, it's a joke, but it's, I don't know, man. It's so silly. It's like. And and when you see the video, and, and I have, I don't, you know, I got friends of mine that are cops, but, I mean, come on, guys. When you look at this, tell me that that's the country that you want to live in, for real. You want a bunch of paramilitary guys walking around trying to enforce a federal law which they have no right to enforce because these guys have the water rights there, from what I understand. They've laid the pipes. They've done all of the stuff that's their water. They have it with the county because they utilize that land, and they have grazing rights there, too. So the mainstream media spends it as, oh, they owe $1.2 million in grazing rights. Yes, says who? Oh, says the federal government, and they're over everything. Well, no, they're not. They're not over this property. They're not over this land, but you said they claim eminent domain over, of course. And so, I mean, this is what it's coming down to, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this is it. If you want to look at, you want to look at the soft battles for freedom, this, these are the battles. These are them. You know, the battles yeah. for freedom – with what Adam Kokesh did, uh, love him or hate him, whatever you think about him, that took balls to do what he did, and he saw the power of the state. And he couldn't believe how bad the state was or, or how powerful the state was to just come after him for trying to make a, 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 um, a ceremonial gesture. And so now we have this other situation where these rancher guys, these guys are old school, man. These are like my – this is like you know watching my somebody a little bit older than my father. They, dude, they've had this property for 18 – since 1800. They ain't leaving that ain't happening. So what do you do? You bring in a bunch of goons and, and armored vehicles and and uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. And you can't you can't sit here and debate with me if you're a police officer and tell me that these guys aren't goons. It's body slamming a a 56 year old woman and then tasering a bunch of people that aren't doing anything when they try to defend you for body slamming a 56 year old woman or 56, 58, whatever. It's just it, it's really becoming. To the point where it's like, wow, this is uh, this is what you get. This is what you get when you just go along with the status quo. We just cruise along and everything's fine. And I bet it was really funny when I posted that thing on Facebook the other day, Josh. It's like some people were like, "What are you even talking about? What are you talking about, Nevada?" It's like, oh my, <laughs> mercy. No, but but Jake, they the, they still haven't found the missing Malaysian plane yet. That's very important. Don't you want to know where that plane went? It's like. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego for adults? It's you love it. It's really silly. It, it's like I said. If ever plays a touchdown, why change the play? I mean, <laughs> this is this is just absolutely bonkers. So, where do you think this goes, man? Where do you think this this uh, this land thing goes? I mean, that, that's the that's the worst part about it. Because for me, my personal line in the sand. I don't know about uh, uh, you know calling in the Michigan militia. You know, quite frankly, I'm terrified of militia groups simply because I feel like most of them are infiltrated, and that's something that that we need to talk about. That's all right. Go ahead. We'll get we'll get back to that because that's a very good point. Well, I mean, I would just note that you know I come from a state in here in Michigan that has been made famous four militias in the Michigan militia. It's the largest militia in America, I still think, to this day. Uh, it was the militia of which, uh, uh, not, not Timothy McVeigh, uh, but his, uh, his supposed partner in crime. Um, what is his name? Nah, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up. I'll, um, God, 
Ah, that's killing me. But anyways, Timothy McVeigh's partner in, in Oklahoma City, supposed partner in Oklahoma City, uh, the, the second identified one, not the third one who they canceled the man chase for and, and, and eliminated from the story, uh, was, was a supposed member of the Michigan militia for quite some time and also a known FBI informant. Uh, but the Michigan militia for decades has had uh, essentially problems with, with massive infiltration by the feds. And this is true of, of a lot of groups like militias and, and white, na- white nationalist extremist groups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, even in Martin Luther King's day, I remember with the Black Panther Party. I mean, they even talked about how that they had more informants in there than actual members. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I th- but there's a distinction to be made, I think, between you know groups that are dangerous to the establishment being infiltrated to destroy them, and groups that are just dangerous being infiltrated to to kind of control what they do to to limit political action. Sure. So in the case of something like the Michigan militia, mm-hmm. having having talked to and known past members and people who are affiliated with the Michigan militia to this day, mm-hmm. I can tell you that a lot of them are ideologically like-minded and they're nice people and they just don't want to be screwed with. Right. Uh, but but at the end of the day, they, they still don't realize, and I try to explain to them, that they're part of an organization uh, whose leadership has been thoroughly infiltrated by federal members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you'll never know just who these people are until after something happens. But the people who are directing your actions are the people who, who are ultimately looking to provoke a response. So the first red flag that comes up for me when I see this Nevada case is, are these people being, are the militia members being egged on to travel all the way across the country, as many of them are traveling, you know, large distances to come to the aid of these ranchers, supposedly? Mm-hmm. Is this being egged on by federal informants? Yeah, why not? I mean, we'll, we'll, just to stage a large conflict, Waco Ruby Ridge style. And and it's so funny because now the mainstream media is not in their pocket anymore. Like they can't they can't like battering ram a, a daycare center and firebomb a daycare center and then say that you know that it was a bunch of um or a bunch of um, ideologically um I guess uh, dangerous people to the state. You know they're. Oh, you can't have you can't have people like what you had at Waco. Those people are dangerous. They have, they're running a what do they always call it? They called it like a compound or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the Waco compound. Yeah. It was a it was a fucking church with a warehouse attached to it. They call it things like that to to give you the certain connotation that you'll you'll have this predetermined notion of what the group is and what the group stands for. And and uh you know, looking at this case, man, I um I don't know what's going to happen. But if you look at something like that, like with the with the the cool thing about it was, and I don't mean to digress so much, but the cool thing about it when I was watching the video, none of the video was cool, obviously, because it was a hor- horrific event. But just how many people had phones? It's like as soon as that happened, like everybody took their phones out, and everybody's filming, because so now that's why they they wanted to push for, and and they still are pushing for it. The ability to shut your phone off if if the police decide that they want to shut your phone off that that's just absolutely unacceptable, completely unacceptable. And then they will refuse to wear uh, cameras, which not only protect the the protect the officer, but they protect us. So it's like if if you guys are refusing to let us film you and you guys don't want to be filmed, what what do you got to hide? What what is so what is so incredibly sensitive, you know? And then they always take this higher road, this holier than now. Well, you know, we we're we're under public scrutiny, and we can't give people's faces away, and we can't, you know. And then you get up to the 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 upper echelon, and then you get like, well, it's national security, you know. It's in a it's in an envelope somewhere, with a top secret stamped on it. You can't talk about it. So I don't know. I I really don't know where all this stuff is going, but I see the way that the federal government treats people like this, and uh, treats people that are uh, that try to stand up, and um, typically the idea is to. Um, it's either disinfo and they can't disinfo anymore, so now they're gonna just try to use force. And I think it's really sad. And I think it'll be interesting to show, see what happens tomorrow, and see how many people show up, both on on, on both sides. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's such a hard situation because my personal line in the sand is: if these people ever try to take my personal affections or property, mm-hmm. then that's the day that I would rather die than be a serf. But at the what it is, it served them. I mean, it's yeah. them. when the government can come in and say that we're taking this of yours, that is served them. That is just plain out robbery. And what do we expect from the state? The state robs you every day, and you don't care, and you don't say anything. But it's just a little bit. 
It's going to take a little bit, Josh. Well, J- Jake, I, I, I want to bring up something that's kind of tangential and, and a little bit kind of like, I guess, quote unquote, like the more esoteric, fun conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, yep. But have you, have, you, have you ever heard of uh, John Titer, the John Titer story? No, I haven't. So, John, I mean, uh, the, the whole thing is essentially a, a hoax. But this guy appeared on the Internet in 1999, essentially saying that he was a time traveler um, and talk, talking about this, this civil war that would, that would come in America. And it's, it's, it's a really well-done hoax simply because the guy has such an intimate knowledge not only of kind of conspiracy theory and, and civil rights and constitutionalism, but also he has, he's clear, he's clearly has a technical background, so he can kind of play this time travel a- angle off uh, to where it's somewhat believable based on, you know, scientific analysis. Um, but the, again, this, it's not, he was not actually a time traveler, but he was somebody who was essentially trying to teach people about the, a future that America could have sure. by pulling off this giant hoax and, and getting people to think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he says, uh, it, that's very interesting, is the year 2008 was a general date by which time everyone realized that the world they thought they were living in was over. The Civil War in the United States will start in 2004. I would, ho- I would describe it as having a Waco-type event every month that steadily gets worse. The conflict will consume everyone in the U.S. by 2012, and, the world, and it will end in 2015 with a very short World War III. Now, obviously, all of this stuff did not come to pass, but the, the things he describes are essentially that there will be a war between r- rural individuals and, and state-backed uh, mercenary groups from the cities, uh, Agenda 21 style, right? And he says that, you know, the people who stay in the cities uh, will stay at the cost of their civil liberties, and the people who leave will, will retain most of their freedom, but they'll have a drastically reduced standard of living. So he's, he's you know again, through this elaborate hoax, kind of trying to introduce people to, to these Agenda 21-esque angles. And that's something that we haven't really talked about, Jake, because no. what's happening in Nevada right now that's is it. very much along those lines. Yeah, it's not, just, it's not just United States federal property. It's going to be international property. It's going to be UN property. And then it's going to be, we're going to be shoved into the compact cities because of the earth. And you're already seeing... The PR rollout for this stuff. You saw the guy from the World Bank say that, the, well, the one thing we can do is set a steady price for carbon. We can help cure world poverty, and we can do um, you know, all of these things and raise the standard of living. No, no, no. You guys, that's yeah. not what you guys are in the business of doing. You guys are not in the business of raising world poverty. You guys are not in the business of doing any of that stuff. You're in the business to make money. Don't sell us like we're a bunch of morons. We understand how this stuff works. I mean, for the most part... You know, anytime a banker tells you something, just think the exact opposite. We're doing it for your benefit. You're doing it to absolutely rape me. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and if people haven't read the '92 Rio Conference papers yet, then you know they're they're. We can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't help them. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, and it's sad, but you can't because you know it's funny because Fox News actually covered this story a couple of days ago uh, before this development. Uh, and it was, of course, in a very laughable light because my dad's got it on in the other room on occasion, and I walked past. And sure. It, it, so they they described the eminent eminent domain aspect and the fact that these oh, people are being kicked off their land. Again, the, yeah, the feds own everything. It's, but uh, but of but of course, it's. Uh, did you believe this could ever happen in America? The Obama administration, the evil Obama administration, and nobody else trying to steal this cattle rancher's land, and then you got to think to yourself, it's like, wait, this is based on a U.N. referendum that was, signed by, that was signed into law by Clinton, signed into law by George W. Bush, signed into law by Barack Obama, ratified by Congress on a four-year basis every single time, and you're not even going to mention the name? No. You're not even going to mention it. No, it's Obama, dude. Come on. Nope. Ugh. Ugh. It, it, it's much easier once once again it's much easier to just have a bad guy because if we have a bad guy then we can we can just you know then we can just go after him and, and it's the same stuff as as every game plan everybody i mean once again touchdown i'm just going to say that every time every time that you see the game plan i'm just going to start saying touchdown because they run the same game plan and it's a touchdown every time bill clinton touchdown you know um george w bush touchdown their their last term is always doing something to edge in globalization, to edge out the the little guy, to increase 
the the wealth of the upper class and then to decrease the wealth of the middle class. It's the same thing every time. And it's not to say that these guys are doing it themselves. It's the policies that are in place and the policies that they continue to go on. And then what they do is they just go, well, that Bush, well, that Bill Clinton, well, that Barack Obama. And they just wag the finger at the figurehead. And then and you buy it. Touchdown. Once again, touchdown every time. So I think you're right, Josh. The, the, the ramifications of what we're seeing here, it's – you know, when I started researching this stuff, globalization was kind of moving it – I don't want to say a crawl, but it was like a walk. You know, you could see it in like a little things, and there would be an article about every, you know, six months or so talking about how there was a referendum going around or – how they're talking about you know um, moving to sustainable development and basically what sustainable development everybody code word that means packing you in like a bunch of rats into mega cities that is sustainable development and then shutting off everything else and then controlling the amount of energy you use the amount of food you consume that's sustainable development and if you want that oh my god holy neo feudalism Batman but that's what we're in for because. Now we're at a stage where it's not just a walk. It's like a gallop. And it's well, about and it looks like it's about to go for a run if stuff like this doesn't hold up. Well, I think that the biggest thing that we're kind of talking about is that this is the revelation of the method. Right? So for the I would say for the at least since the the ceremonial sacrificial explain to people what we're talking about when we say revelation of method. I think we should clarify grammar real quick. Sure. Well, I guess the revelation of the method would be a slow and steady but consistently escalating process by which the control grid is essentially explained to the American people mm-hmm. uh, and done so in a way through propaganda, news media, and, uh, and, and mass media in general sure. uh, where it's done in, in an acceptable manner. And I would say that ever since at least the, the ceremonial sacrificial, uh, sacrificial king the assassination of, of JFK and the true establishment of of a hundred percent dictatorship uh, by CIA dictatorship, by the way. I, I would say a moneyed interest dictatorship hey, well, more so than a CIA okay. dictatorship. You know, I guess the, the CIA are important. They're an important uh, playing piece, but they're not the kings, right? Right. Correct. No, no. Um, so th- ever since then, at least, we've seen this steady escalation of globalism, but it's been sort of the uh, laying the foundations, not only legislatively, but in practice, mm-hmm. uh, working on things like, you know, robbing countries uh, through the IMF, working on things like hard mind control experiments, working on things like Project Mockingbird. And it's not to, I'm not trying to diminish those horrible exploits because they, they hurt a lot of people, but that was really the practice round. For what we're seeing now, that this that the these programs have kind of been in place, and now that they've been for better, you know, for for the most part perfected, mm-hmm. uh, it, it becomes um, socially acceptable to to tell people about them because they're going to become an increasing part of their life. <sighs> it becomes it becomes very frustrating the more you research this, the more you go back into history. See where all of this came from. See, see, um, and I think that I'm really excited about us um, putting that um, that piece out together because I, I've learned so much, even in the in the short time that it's been since we recorded um, our, our first episode. Amazing! Of, oh, my Lord. I've been Claritin clear for yeah, six days. Good. There you go. Some big pharma ads for everybody. Yeah. Right. Thank, Thank you, Pfizer. You're welcome. Anyway, but um. Just seeing where this all came from and about how the, the empire of the British Empire moved away from the, Im, the imperial model of the state, the actual nation state, to front companies with, um, with you know, the East India Company and, and how, they, you know, how they utilized their leverage for opium to get China involved in world trade in order to you – know, and then leveraging that out to India uh, and then using the slave trade down here in, in the south – to run cotton back to India and just making this whole big web of international commerce. And so now it's getting more and more, but what they've done is they've just built on top of these things. They've built on top of the ideas. They've built on top of the control grid, like you said before. It was a very pertinent term because now they've had all these spy centers in place since 
one of the things that was very interesting is uh, the guy was talking about how Lincoln talked about his phone was tapped even back then. So you're talking about what in the 1800s they were tapping, you know, they were tapping phone lines in order to steal information. So they've been doing this for a long time, 200 years almost. And so they've perfected this game of of watching and spying. And so now they've got the technology now where they think that they can game the system. They think that they can control the narrative and now they're going to start putting in the clamps and see where where humanity goes. And even the World Bank had said, and Lee Kemp did a great interview or a great video on it, where he talked about how the World Bank said that that people will start rioting and there's going to be there's going to be mass civil disobedience because of the of the technology that we have now. We can communicate with people on the other side of the world and we can see how how shitty their life is, and we're just not going to accept it. And so now I think what you're seeing is a race between the super states. To kind of get in front of the population, like you were talking about before, like quell the population and make sure that we've got everything under control before they figure out what's going on. Because the cat's about to be out of the bag here pretty soon when a lot of more people are going to start asking questions. And this is going to bring people into the fold as well because people that are old school like my parents and you know people of that generation understand the idea of land rights, property rights, and, and, and utilizing – you know, governmental land to do things like ranching and stuff like that, or excuse me, county land and, and state land. Well, so I think it'll be interesting. I really, it, it, it certainly, yeah, it certainly will be. But uh, you know, touching on something that you said at the beginning of of that statement, when we're talking about the global economy as a whole, I think the most important point to make, or at least the most important point that that I can make right now, uh, is that this i this old idea of the the mercantile system mercantilism mm-hmm. never ended mm-hmm. and it's viewed as this you know economic practice that was that was used in in the 16 to 1800s and it's been dead for a long time it just went away exactly and but really quickly giving you know the dude, Josh, the oligarchs just went away they just made all their money the royalty made all their money and they just went away they're gone no no and then they made nonprofit tax exempt foundations and now they help the world that's, there they, go. they help that's, us. that's what they, do. they they make us they make us colleges it's great and they provide public broadcasting i love it but just you know for the uh, for the wikipedia definition mercantilism is an economic theory and practice common in europe uh, from the 16th to the 18th century that promoted governmental regulation of a nation's economy for the purpose of augmenting state power at the expense of rival national powers. So these bullet points here, you know, it, these, these highlights of mercan- mercantile exchange are the building of a network of overseas colonies, oh, yeah. forbidding your colonies to trade with opponent nations, mm-hmm. monopolizing markets with, with, by, by monopolizing the ports, uh, the banning of the exportation of gold and silver, even for payments. Mm. Forbid- yeah, yeah. At the, at the export of subsidies, forbidding trade to be carried in foreign ships, which obviously is more of one of these older uh, uh, aspects that has gone by the wayside. But this is a system of economic imperialism. Sure. And I, I would argue that what we're talking about is simply uh, the, the technocratization sure. of, of the mercantilist system. No, it's... it's, it's- that once again they've been doing it for a very long time, but now they have all these new goodies and these, these new tools that they're using, and they can convince you that you're not a slave. And it's absolutely astonishing. It's like no, 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 no. That's that's happening over in other countries. Everything here is fine. And then with the duping of the American people and and looking at the system that we have in place, this is the exact same system that the founders fought to get away from. This is the exact system that Patrick Henry warned you about. Where he said that if you set up a Congress, if you set up an electorate, if you set up an executive branch, you're going to have either one of two things. You're either going to have a dictatorship of Congress or you're going to have a dictatorship of the executive branch. And that's what you're going to get. And 200 years later, bada bing, here's what we got. And just like what you said, people have to realize that these older systems didn't go away. They just changed, and they've got this new technology to, to basically run all the other gaming of the system behind the scenes and and convince you that you're in a completely different system that you are. It's like most people don't realize that we don't run a, a – most people would tell you that America is a capitalist country, and then we're not capitalist by any stretch of the imagination. We're fascist by far. By far, we're fascist. So, I mean, it's 
I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But I see the state. I see the state growing. I see the state having less and less care for its <clears throat> for its citizens. And then they have like ceremonial things like what happened with Lois Lerner. Oh, she's going to get arrested. And then, you know, Eric Holder's on trial. And this is all vestigial stuff. Because if you watch the stupid interview where they talk about what's going to happen with Eric Holder, they said, well, you know, they're going to request the documents and they're going to call the special prosecutor in and request the documents. And it could take months, even years for all the documents to come out. Meanwhile, if the state wanted any information on you, it's a, literally a click of a button and they've got your entire life story. So tell me why it's going to take years to get all these documents from Eric Holder. This is all just a scam, everybody. These are all scams. And they run it on you because they know that you're not going to pay attention for very long. They know that you're going to lose interest. You're just going to say six months down the road, Fast and Furious, what was that? I don't know. Aren't, aren't, the, aren't the Red Sox on or something? What's going on? It is. It's it's insane. Well, but ultimately, uh, that's I, I, it, it's this horrible catch twenty two because you have, you really have two options: do what's going on in Nevada right now, mm-hmm. and ultimately end up uh, a corpse that is only going to become a national uh, attention grabbing story for the the ban of of firearms within certain communities. Sure. Or or you just constantly get frustrated and talk your ass off on the air and uh, have nobody listen to you. <laughs> oh, is that what we're doing right now? I guess that's what we would we do on a regular, a fairly regular basis. Well, it's not even, you know. I, I try to I try to spread the the idea that we can that we can make change, but once again, it has to come from action. And so, when you see things like this, you have to call these things out and say, "Look, these people are taking action. Don't feel like you're all alone." And when you hear me get frustrated with the state, and usually you know, the last I would say the last ten shows. I've tried to stay away from this stuff because, you know, I don't think it's very healthy for us all to just bash the state all the time because it's just people, once again, Amsprocket, it's just people doing their job, and that's what we're seeing, and we got to call it like it is. But you have to get other people to understand that when you hear somebody saying that, oh, well, we're just, we're just trying to do what we were, spo- we were told to do, you know, once again, Amsprocket, all these people got murdered because the Germans were just following orders. And that's what it is. And you have to make the, the mental connection that you're not going to be an order follower. It's like what Mark Passio talks about all the time. He said, all of these totalitarian regimes are enabled by one thing, and that's order followers. That is the only thing that enables them. Well, Mar- Mark Passio also says that the most powerful word in the human language nope. is no. Two ways, yes. The N-O and then the K-N-O-W. So take that to heart, everybody. Understand that you can tell a state no. Understand that you can say no. You can resist. It's much easier. It's much easier, once again, to just go with the flow and just make stuff, oh, this, yeah, that's fine. We'll just kind of deal with that. We'll just, we'll just let this kind of play out, and then we'll, we'll do something next time. Well, now we're at a point where we're starting to see all these things happen, and I don't know if it's a good thing, bad thing, or what, but if you see these things happen in Capitol Hill, I think that they're just, I think they're just ceremonial. I really don't think that anything's going to come of this. I don't think that anybody's going to get in any trouble because nobody ever gets in trouble. Anybody that ever commits a huge crime in America never gets in trouble. It's people like this, this cattle rancher guy that's just trying to create a living for himself. And what happens is the state comes down and you know, shakes the book at him. But you've got people like John Corzine that, launder, or that, that rip money out of segregated accounts. And then he gets up in front of Congress and knows how to lie because he's an attorney. And he gets to go off scot-free. Oh, and and you'll never you'll never hear about it, right? Like a major story broke just earlier. I think it was late last week, right? Uh, I, I forget uh, who it was. It was some conservative-related blog, but the, nevertheless, the citations were very good in quantifiably proving that Je- uh, not Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, was an FBI informant for the majority of his career from through the mid '80s to the to the mid '90s. Right. So if we're talking about this kind of subversion that goes on, that should be a, a groundbreaking story. So this this major public figure who still delivers you the news every night at five or six on MSNBC, whenever a show is on, was an FBI informant selling out black America for decades. And nobody talks about it. But that, nobody talks about it. But that's what the, but that's what the stated goal was, Josh, that you were going to get people. 
and we're not we're not just blowing smoke up your butt, people. We're we're talking about from from factual FBI documents and what they were trying to do with with stopping the the anti-war movement and stopping the Martin Luther King movement. They were they were like, we got to co-opt some of these people in here and get them to start going along and just misdirect these people because they're not following you know they're not following the script anymore. And all this stuff is about to go down, and we've got to kind of quell this thing. And so they did it. And that's and and you know and it's so funny that it comes out that um, that a government agency ends up murdering Martin Luther King, and nobody cares. It's like yeah. nobody cares. It's just like oh well, that's you know whatever. He was he was standing up. That's what happens. Like that's what happens. That's how it's what happens in North Korea or China. It's like you stand up, and the and the government agent comes and pops you. That's what happens in, in a non-free country. And it's not a free country when you've got covert ops to assassinate political leaders trying to incite change. They weren't trying to incite violence. They were trying to incite change, trying to get us to come together. Heaven forbid you ever do that. Holy crap. Don't do that in America. I don't, you'll be sure end up dead. Yeah. Seriously, though. All right. So what are, we got like 15 more minutes here, man. What do you, uh, what's, on the front, what's on your front burner? What have you been working on? Oh my goodness, uh, a few things, but I just, uh, re- really quickly, you mentioned the assassination of Dr. King, but think about this, think about how many Americans not only don't know that, you know, the King family sued the U.S. government, which is found guilty in a civil case in the, ni- in the late 90s, of course, mm-hmm. proving that, proving that uh, an Army Special Forces team assassinated John F. Kennedy from the roof of a barbecue joint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you really think that, you know, most Americans know that Martin Luther King Jr. is dead. Some of them know he was assassinated. Do you honestly think most Americans even know the name, you know, uh, of the person who assassinated him? Supposedly, James Earl Ray? No, not a chance. I mean, that's what we're talking about, though. We, we live in a society where people don't even learn the propagandized history anymore. Josh. They don't even learn the dumb version. <laughs> Josh, we are the following. It's, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. We are the dead is what we are, man. I, I've, seriously, I, um, I, I watched the show The Following because, um, I don't know, for some reason, I, I guess I need to start reading some more crime dramas because... Psychopath- no, you need to watch The Wire. I do need to watch The Wire. Psychopaths absolutely fascinate me in the fact that, that um, it's kind of like what, um, what um, Richard Grove was saying in the Peace Revolution podcast, and I know I keep bringing this up, but it was just it's fresh on my mind. He made a lot of really good points. Which episode was this? Uh, the, the most recent one about the British Empire, where they have My Country Tis of Thee and it's God Save the Queen, and they're the exact same song. Oh, I don't even think I've downloaded it yet. Right, but... so I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm like six hours in. But anyway, what... Um, the British Elephant in the American Living Room is That's the it. title. That's yay, a good one. Hey, yay. All right, so, um, God darn it. Now you, now you got me off, off kilter here. Sorry. Shoot. What was I talking about? The, something from the Peace Revolution episode that Richard Grove said. Yeah, and no, that's not pulling it up for me. Uh, it's not there. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. But that, I thought that was... Oh, here, hold on a second. We were talking about James Earl Ray and the fact that people don't even understand the, the propagandized history. Okay, well, let's see. That's almost getting me there. No, but it's... Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't even recall it now. It's gone. It is gone. It happens. But that's, but that's the truth. Though. The propagandized history is, is uh, not even learned. It's just like... Uh, that's not really relevant to me, to me going out and... And uh, grabbing a beer on Friday night, and I think that that's really sad. And I, and I don't know how we can make. Um, I don't know. What do you think, people? How do we make learning sexy again? How do we make being informed um, sexy and astonishing, and, and 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 pulling it out of the doldrums of where it is? Because they they tell you that that um, that Kesha and all this other stuff is sexy, and it's all just pure satanic garbage right in front of your face. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, that was actually one of the topics uh, on my show earlier today, uh, which I don't know if I'm going to keep doing because we've done four episodes now and each episode has been just laden with technical difficulties. Like I had to cut the show an hour short today because the feed died. That was real disappointing. But right as the show cut out, we, me and Robert got into a discussion about, you know, these two kind of schools of thought. We've got, you know, the, this one school of thought that I think, you know, is espoused by pe- media producers like the Ben Swans and, and some people like that, 
uh, who say that, you know, to a certain extent, we need to sell liberty. We need to market it. We need to use Eddie Bernays-esque techniques to make liberty sexy and fun for people because they'll play a video game that espouses libertarian ideals, but they won't read a book about it, right? They'll see the Lego movie, but they have no idea that it's an anarchist thing. Exactly. Versus someone like Richard Grove who says, no, 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 no. We don't need to use their propaganda techniques to free people. We don't need as above, so below again. We need neither above nor below. We just need to learn that these techniques exist. And we need to realize that entertainment is nothing more than entertainment. It can sometimes have a message, but it's not real, folks. Right. You know, the, the news media is entertainment. It's not real. No, it's uh, entertainment. It is. But exactly. Sports, isn't, sports is, is, is not real, people. Like, these are, these are grown-ass men playing children's games and making billions of dollars. Like, this is the sign of a profoundly sick society. But that was the question that I posed to Robert and we were discussing is, would you rather see a future where propaganda is used to educate people, or would you rather just have people understand that propaganda exists? And which of those do you think is, is, is a, can be accomplished? Okay, one more time with the question. I was trying to pull up this because I want to I show everybody. Um, oh, sure thing. So do you, do you feel that you know, we should be prop, using propaganda, using the techniques of people like Bernays and Littman to bring the message of liberty to people? Or do you think that we should be teaching people that propaganda exists and that you shouldn't, you know, give it credence. And if whichever one of those it, it, it you choose, do you think that it's actually attainable? Because a lot of people would argue, obviously, that making, you know, sexy videos about liberty is easier than t telling people to read Tragedy and Hope. Ooh, I think that, um, once again, just understand how the human mind works and understand what, you know, what motivates people. And uh, once again, the most valuable commodity that any human being has, and I think it's an innate that they know this, is time. So you have to think about what's going to be the most effective use or what's going to make the best use of their time. Is the best use of their time teaching them the trivium? Probably not because they're not going to do it because it's going to take effort. But if you say that you know, watch a sexy video or like he said, sell liberty, I, I could see that. But I mean – but ultimately, if you do that, and let's say 100% of the society comes to liberty through movies and video games and TV because it's been, prop it's been inundated into them, just, you have a free society now. Uh, you also have a society that's hey, still just – yeah, that's hey, still – It won't stay because of, because of the fact that there will be a, it will be a war of attrition as it all yeah, – Well, they, they never – it's not that. It's just that they never learned anything. They're still, they're still programmable machines for the masses. It's just that you program them to be free. That's and now I think that that's one of the, the primary mistakes, mistake or, or maybe contrived that the founding fathers made in, in this country is that they tried to tell people how to be free. They made, you know, they made a document of, of rules and laws to try and force freedom upon people because, again, at the end of the day, the founding fathers were an aristocratic oligarchy yep. here in America. And, and most of the people that were here were either very, very poor Slaves, we call them indentured servants, but it was slavery from from Ireland, and uh, that were about to become citizens, mm -hmm. or, or 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 British criminals. Correct. Was, we, we were the colonies were like Australia, right. right? Right. And then you have people like Patrick Henry that that like basically the reason that he understood freedom so much is because he started at the grassroots. He taught himself how to become a lawyer. He taught himself how to argue um, political theory. He taught himself. So he learned what it was like to be free because he had to live it. I mean he wasn't, he wasn't an aristocrat. He was none of these people. That's why he was the anti-federalist. And if you read their writings, I'm much more aligned with the anti-federalist than I would with the federalist because of the idea of having a federal government is dangerous. It but, just but is. It, it, absolutely. But Jake, like these people that we're talking about, whether it's a James Monroe or a Patrick Henry, both of whom walked out of the, the Second Constitutional Convention and said, this is not for me, and I hope it's not for America either. Just basically tore it up and said, I'm not going to this. This is ridiculous. Once, he, yeah. once Patrick Henry saw what Washington wanted to do, he's like, I, he was sick, and he's like, I can't even go to this. But I'm, he's like, I'm very disappointed, and he showed up for the second one. And luckily got us the dang Bill of Rights. Otherwise, we would have been super screwed. Yeah, I mean, and James Monroe did the same thing. And, you know, to his credit, you know, he was, for the time, he was a very progressive man. You know, like he was the founder of Liberia. You know, like he, he lived in a climate where he couldn't have freed the slaves. So at least he, he tried to do what he could. Right. I mean, obviously, Liberia was a horrible failed experiment and ended with a terrible massacre because they took people from all over Africa and 
tri- warring tribes and put them in the same location and tried to found a company a country off of it. You know, it's this this age old problem of of imperialists trying to run other people's lives. But you know, the, but nation building is what they call it now. Of course, but the point is, is that these two people, James Monroe and uh, and Patrick Henry, are not names of founding fathers that that are household. People oh. know who Thomas Jefferson is. They know who uh, they know who uh, John Han- George, John Hancock, George Washington. This will give you the, an idea of how stupid our society is. And no offense to anybody out there, because I don't think that you're all stupid. I love you all, <laughs> and we can and we can all find a way to learn and get better. And please, God, just understand that what I'm going to say. Don't take any offense to it. Now that I've said all that, have you seen the the Rolling Stone cover where they had Julia Louis Dreyfus and then on her back they painted the with the, John Hancock's signature on the fucking Constitution? Yeah, I saw that. Correct. Insane. Come on, man. Ridiculous. The second I the second I saw it, it was like click the link to find out why, and I was like, I don't need to click the link. It's clearly his signature on the wrong document. Oh man, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me, man. Here, here, Josh, just listen, just listen. There's no similarities here, okay? Just hang out. <laughs> not have any. This better not have any um any uh, commercials on it either. Sorry, guys, this is the impromptu show. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Of course, we have a commercial, and it's gonna be 30 seconds. You know, we're gonna mute that one. Dude, dude. Okay, <laughs> two words: ad block plus. Okay. Download it right now. I can't download it right now. We're actually doing a show. We're, we're doing a show. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. We've got four minutes left, but I do have to show everybody this so you can understand, America, that what Josh and I talk about, when we talk about the old empire, when we talk about colonialism, when we talk about these things, this is not just stuff that we made up. This is not happy fun time. Check this out. Here you go, Josh. This is great. Let me know if this sounds familiar, Americans. Okay, so let me see if you can find this. What do you think, Josh? Hold on a second. Hold on. Keep so you on. got to save the queen, right? Yes. Now, let's see. Wait, 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 wait. That is God save the queen. What's the, uh, hold on. Here you go. Here's another good one. It's going to have ad. It's going to have an ad. That sounds like God Save the Queen, Josh. How is that possible? Why would we do that? Uh, let freedom ring, God Save the Queen. Same difference, right? <laughs> oh, man, everybody. What a fun time I had tonight. I was I was really distraught after today, after having the state just knock me in the head and kick me while I was down, and then watching what happened in Nevada with these poor people. I understand what they're going through. I had a little run-in with the state today, and um, it reaffirmed my belief system, and it reaffirmed my duty to what I'm supposed to do, and that is to not only unlock minds but offer a little bit of guidance, and maybe, just maybe, we can do exactly what Josh was talking about, and we can get people to start thinking critically and start asking the question not only why, but what. What causes this? Not why does it cause... But what? Ooh, that's a nice one. So, Josh, we're about to be done, as the uh, as the lady just told us. Um, where can we find your work, and uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, the best way to find all my stuff is just to go to www.journalisticrevolution.com. We've got a lot of new things in the pipe, uh, as we always do over at journalisticrevolution.com. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, you know getting off of our our fat behinds and uh and implementing this stuff but i've got a podcast series over there uh we've got a video series that i do with uh, my b- good buddy jake counts that everyone should check out again that's uh journalisticrevolution.com throw us some bitcoin while you're at it especially since it's below four hundred dollars right now is it really yeah <laughs> that just made my day go even worse thank you josh that was the that was the cherry you yeah no problem like it's 700 i would have been really really happy 
Well, that's going to do it for the show, everybody. Um, once again, I will be moving to Liberty Movement Radio here in the next um, couple of weeks. We'll be still keeping the stream on Blog Talk, but I will only be broadcasting live through Liberty Movement Radio. And I will let you know that if you follow me on Twitter, if you follow me on Facebook, please go like my YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV. Please like my Facebook page. And also, um, get um, get on my little Twitter feed. I've been tweeting a lot. Twitter. Tw- tw- what? Tweeting? 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 Whatever. Don't really. That's it, everybody. Thanks again. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, and pray for those people out in Nevada because I think they're going to need it. Take care, everybody.